What if I told you there is coming a critical food shortage right around the corner? And I'm not talking about just toilet paper either. What if I told you there is a global peace plan on the table at the moment? Do you hear me? Global. Would you believe me? What if I told you World War III is in the making? Would you believe me? What if I told you that Christians are going to become more and more persecuted? In fact, many are going to be martyred because of their belief and faith in the Word of God. Would you believe me? There's some storm clouds on the horizon. I just want to make a statement. I think more than a race problem in America, I think we got a sin problem. You get the sin fixed, you get the rest fixed. By the way, it's a privilege this very night to represent New Rocky Creek Baptist Church down at the Recreational Department praying for our families of Jasper County at 7.30 tonight. It's a prayer vigil. And so... Storm clouds are on the horizon. Many of you are going through a storm right now. In fact, just last week, a young man asked me to pray for him about a job. I've been praying for you. And not only that, but just the other day, I was here at the church with one of our dear men praying about a physical condition. Brother William Mann, we were here till about 1 o'clock in the morning on Friday morning out in the parking lot praying and asking the Lord to give wisdom in his situation. I got another text message from a dear lady in the church who asked me to be praying about her situation, heart-related as well. Ralph and Nancy are waiting for their granddaughter to have surgery this Tuesday, a order valve to be replaced. There's a lot of needs. I was on the phone uh, praying and talking with a man yesterday for several hours concerning some health issues and problems. We all are facing storm clouds. And so today uh, we're going to consider our study in the book of Revelation. You know what, beloved? The Lord is showing me more and more in our study in Revelation that we had better prepare for what's ahead. <laughs> we had better prepare for what's ahead. Yes, there's some storm clouds on the horizon. But before we look at our text today, it kind of reminded me of the story of the young man that wanted to go swimming in a river. And he asked a man who was standing on the bank who was fishing, he said, are there any alligators in the river? The man on the bank said, no, there's not any alligators in the river. So the young man jumped off into the river but it wasn't very long he jumped back on the bank. He said to the man across the river, he said, I, are you sure there's not any alligators in this river? The man on the bank fishing said, no, I told you there wasn't any alligators in this river. The young man who had just been swimming said, what are them gray objects swimming around down there? The man said, those aren't alligators, those are sharks. He said, the sharks have scared the alligators away. I don't know about that, but I know this. We're facing some real storm clouds, and I'm glad to tell you there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus. Maybe today you're 
feeling hopeless. Maybe today you're feeling a little bit of helplessness. I want to tell you we've got a refuge we can run to today. Hallelujah. We've got a friend that will stick closer than a brother. So as we're continuing, this is the seventh message in our study in the book of Revelation. I felt led of the Lord to continue our study. Grab your Bibles, please. Turn to the book of Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. And as we look at the Word of God today, I know the Lord is going to encourage you and as He's going to encourage me. And furthermore, I believe the Lord is wanting to prepare us, beloved. There's more to come. I got in last night. I left the church about 10, 15 uh, and got in, and sure enough, another scene on uh, the news. Uh, Wendy's is burning downtown Atlanta. We live in a very troubled world, but thank God Jesus Christ is still on his throne, and there is a refuge for you today. So whatever you face today, I want to tell you, you can reach out your hand of faith. Believe God that he's going to be with us no matter what. And some of you today may need a breakthrough, and I'm believing the Lord to give us a breakthrough today. Here's where we're going in the passage and in the message today. Storm clouds on the horizon. How many of y'all are facing a storm? Let me see your hand. Probably many of you that are listening and many of you that here have got some kind of storm. And we don't have to be afraid of the storm, but we do indeed need to prepare for the storm. If we're not prepared, the storm could catch us unaware. Here are four forecasts that God gave me to give to you today facing these storm clouds on the horizon. And I'll get them up on the screen in a moment. But number one, the first uh, forecast is what kind of storm clouds are on the horizon? We'll see that in a moment here in the book of Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through verses 8. There's a second forecast that God gave me to give to you today as we study the Word of God together is number two. Who is going to be caught? Who is going to be caught in this storm? We'll see it in a moment in Revelation chapter 6 and verses 9 through 11. And then number three, why would Jesus send a storm to judge? We'll see that very clearly in this last book of the Bible, the Apocalypse in chapter 6 and verses 12 through verse 17. And finally, number four. The fourth forecast is this. How can we prepare for the storms? And we'll see that in a moment in the book of Revelation chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, you'd like to stand with me as we read, first of all, going into the Revelation chapter 6. I want to begin reading in verse 1. If you'd like to stand, you can. At this time, I want to read through this particular uh, verses, at least verses 1 through 8, as we deal with these four kinds of storms that are brewing on the horizon. Verse 1, and keep in mind, this is chronologically speaking after the rapture of the church. However, right now we're facing storms. And by the way, this parallels Revelation 6 with the book of Matthew chapter 24. That's in the context of Jesus coming, not in the rapture, but in his second coming. The rapture has already taken place, but this time the church is not in the tribulation. However, there will be believers who will be saved during the tribulation. But keep in mind, these are storm clouds on the horizon. Beginning verse 1, if you're there, say amen. And I saw, Udon is the word saw, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. Have you ever had a storm come up and you could hear the thunder before the storm broke? That's what he's saying, John. And one of the four beasts 
This is not Therion beast as in Antichrist, but these beasts who are around the throne. He said, one of the four beasts saying, come and see, Urkamai, come and see. Verse 2, and I saw, and behold, a white horse. He that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Let me just quickly point out this crown, again, is not the crown that the writer in Revelation 19, namely the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to be wearing it's the diadem crown, but this is not a diadem, rather Stephanos. Keep reading. Verse 3, he said, uh, and he's, he's wearing a crown. He went forth to conquer and to conquer. Verse 3, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. Notice, take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. Isn't that interesting? We're seeing certainly some signs here, even in our beloved country, of uh, some civil uprest and some anarchy and some troubled times. They should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. I beheld a low, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou, hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death. And hell, Hades, followed him with him. And power was given unto them over fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death. Some translate that death, pestilence. Thanatos is the word. And with beast of the earth. What kind of beast are these going to be? May God bless the reading of his word to our heart. Father, thank you now for the storm clouds. Thank you that you're the master of the sea. Thank you, Lord, that you said one day the storm's going to be over. As lightning shines of the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Lord, we bless you that you're the storm calmer. You're the one that walks on the water and says, Peace, be still to us while we're in a storm. And I pray now for the church of the living God, Father, that you'd... Give us a refuge and we'd run to you. For you are refuge and strength of every present help and trouble. And thank you for uh, being, uh, oh God, uh, not taking us from the storm, but being with us through the storm. Hallelujah. I pray for many today that are going through storms. Oh, God, just give us grace to run the race and to be encouraged and make a difference and to love you and serve you and love souls whom Jesus died. We bless you now, praise you, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Here's where we're going. There are four storms that are on the horizon. You'll notice in the text these four storms. First of all, we're going to see a political storm. It's none other than this white horse rider come riding in 
on this horse. If you'll notice, he's got a crown on his head and he's got a bow. However, the text does not say he's got arrows in the bow. There's a second storm that's going to loom and is already looming on the horizon. Not only the political storm, but you'll notice the arsenal storm. What I refer uh, to the arsenal storm is the red horse rider. He's got sword and in his hand, and he's going to take peace from the earth. Yes, and then there's a third kind of storm, not only a political storm and an arsenal storm, but if you'll notice, the black horse rider, there's going to be an economical storm where this black horse rider gallops on the scene. And then finally, the fourth storm that's just on the horizon is none other than the fatal storm, meaning the grim reaper and death uh, will occur. And so, as we look at these four storms that God gives us a description in the Bible, I want you to consider with me. Can you hear these horses as they are racing toward this climatic scene? You know what this tells me, beloved? It tells me this. The rapture is very near. I mean, we're seeing things happen in our world. There's no question about it that we never thought we would ever see. And that tells me that it's a late date and that Jesus Christ could come in the twinkling of an eye. So let's consider, number one, this first political storm that's on the horizon. It's found in Revelation chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2. Follow with me in this first political storm. It's a political storm in addition to the uh, arsenal storm, the economical storm, and the fatal storm. I'll bring this back up. Don't worry about it. Verse 2 of the text, I saw, look, go back to verse 1. I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts, saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. What do we mean by this political storm? What do we mean by this political storm? Now, you can see that back. I sat here last night. You may not be able to see the last uh, uh, you know, sentence there, but you can see it fairly well. From there, I even went to the very back, and even there in the sound booth, you can see this. If you got good eyes, that is. And so, what kind of political storm are we talking about here? I mean, who is this rider? This is none other than the Antichrist, the counterfeit Christ. Well, I don't need to tell you right now that there is a global need all across our world for a world leader, and this global rider is the political ruler, and therefore, I don't need to tell you the lawlessness this is going on in the world, or do I need to tell you that? How today uh, it's setting the stage for someone to have some answers from a political perspective. Yes, I think this writer is very near. I think uh, we're facing some answers as these globalists are looking at our world and and so uh, this political rider is uh, on the horizon. But I want to tell you, there's a second storm that seems to be right around the corner. And it's not only the political storm, but it's the arsenal storm. Again, look at Revelation chapter 6 and verse uh, number 3 and 4. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, 
Notice, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that sat thereon to notice, take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Notice they're taking peace from the earth. I want to remind you, beloved, this is happening in the first few years, namely the first three years of the tribulation. This is not at the end of the tribulation. Rather, this is the beginning. And let me also remind you who's opening these seals. If you'll glance back again at verse 1, you'll notice what John wrote, exile on the Isle of Patmos, as God the Father gave him this revelation. I saw when the Lamb, notice the Lamb, Verse 1, open the seals. This was not the devil. This was Jesus Christ. If we went back to chapter 5 of the book of Revelation, here's what we'd find. We'd find that John had this heavenly scene. No one in heaven was worthy to open the book and the seals. However, he sees one, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David. There's only one, and John begins to weep. Oh, there's one worthy. He was slain and has redeemed us to God by his blood out of every kindred and people and tongue and nation. And God the Father hands his son this scroll, this scroll that contains seven seals and seven trumpets and seven vials. It's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that begins to open up this judgment upon the earth, yea, this wrath upon the earth, and he takes peace from the earth. Again, this is obviously a sign of uh, what is to take place hereafter. Now, you know this first rider, the white horse political rider, is going to confirm a covenant with Israel, the Jewish people, for the first three and a half years. It's described in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice in the oblation to cease in the overspreading of the abomination even under the consummation. Note, it is a pseudo peace. It's not a genuine peace. But this political ruler will merge on the scene and uh, protect Israel the first three and a half years. But our Lord Jesus made reference in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24. The unleashing of these seals are parallel with Matthew chapter 24, how false Christ would rise. And then he described these other events of this, this war that's going to take place. And so I suggest to you today that uh, we're seeing uh, certainly uh, the precursors of killing one another. I'm telling you, it's closer than it's ever been. Storm clouds on the horizon. That leads us to the third storm cloud. But before we go there, can I tell you, y'all listen now, do you know that Russia and China and Iran is laughing at America. Ha, 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 ha. You guys can't get together. Y'all are fighting each other, rioting in the streets. And not only that, but America has been debilitated by the coronavirus. And you rest assured, these uh, nations are watching and they're laughing at America. I pray that God would help us to come together. I pray that God will bring us in a unified state. Why? Divided we fall, but united we stand. 
And listen, beloved, if the Christian church and the Christian community can't come together, how in the world we expect the world to come together? I tell you, these days are calling for men to pray for each other and women to pray for each other and for us to bear each other's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. These are days not to be isolated and insulated uh, on an island by ourselves, but rather these are days that God's calling us to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. These are days that the Lord is looking for a remnant and he's saying to his church, hey, let's get rid of our uh, bitternesses and let's get rid of our prejudices and let's get rid of our selfishness and let's come together and let's let God send a mighty revival. I don't see any other solution in our nation or in our world uh, other than a mighty Holy Ghost revival. But I'll tell you, God can do it. God can do it. And if the Lord doesn't do it, it's certainly not going to result in anything. Yes, tell me, are you unified with your brother today? Have you called him on the phone lately? Have you prayed for your brother today? Have you prayed for your sister today? Are we coming together? Look, look. The enemy will not even have to fire a shot. We don't have to worry about nuclear bombs. Why? If we're not careful, we'll implode from the inside. You see it, and I see it. So what's God saying to us? He's saying it's good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. And God's calling his church, New Rocky Creek. And God's calling Christian people throughout this land. There's a storm brewing. There's a storm on the horizon. What do we need to do? We need to prepare. We need to be ready. We need to pray. We need to be faithful to God. And I'm telling you at a time when we need every blood-washed blood child of God fighting the good fight of faith, engaging the enemy, reaching out to lost souls, and being uh, a watchman on the walls, these are those days. Oh, yes. And I thank God for his church. And I thank God for times such as this. It's not time uh, to complain. It's not time to whine. Oh, no. It's time to toughen up, soldier. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's not time for us to have our own agenda. It's not time, oh, no, to be at ease in Zion. I believe the very status of what God has called you in me. He's called you. He's called you. He's called you. I may be called to preach, but you've been called to serve God too. If you're a child of God, you've been called to be a soldier of the cross. And I want to tell you, soldier, don't throw down your weapon. Soldier, don't give in and don't give up keep giving out. If there was a time we needed men and women to be strong in the Lord, it's right now. If there was a time when we need to uh, uh, forward march under the blood-stained banner of the cross, it's right now. Are there any of the saints of God would say as Joshua, as from me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I can't hear you. Oh, yes. So tell me, what are you doing these days? Let's join together. Unify. Yes, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There's a third storm, as I mentioned a moment ago, that's on the horizon. It's not only a political storm, and it's not only a, notice, arsenal storm, but thirdly, 
It's a economical storm. Look at Revelation chapter 6 and verse 4 and 5. Look at verse, start in verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal, notice, and, and, and when he had opened the third seal, let me go back to this screen. And when he had opened the third seal, verse 5, I heard the voice, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou, hurt not the oil and wine. What in the world does he mean when he says here, a measure of wheat for a penny? The word penny there, note, is the word denarius. That's a Roman coin which uh, indicated about 15 cents. You'll also be interested to find out the word wheat there is a more expensive uh, commodity than barley. Three measures of barley in the text says means that it's a lesser price. There's coming an economic boycott. When if uh, you don't, people in the tribulation do not have the mark of the beast, according to Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18, he calls all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, receive a mark in their right hand or their forehead, that no man might buy or sell, save he that hath the mark of the beast. Let him that hath understanding understand the mark of the beast. The number is 600, three score and six. And see, here is what's going to take place. This is equivalent to one day's wage, one meal. This three barley measures is probably three meals, but the wheat one measure would be equivalent to one day. What am I saying? I'm saying this. There's coming a time uh, that's a critical food crisis. We never would have believed that we'd be running out of the commodities as we were just a few weeks ago, but we did, didn't we? And that's right here in God Bless America. And as I said earlier, it's going to be more than toilet paper running out. Amen. Hey, this is a political storm. This is an arsenal storm. This is an economical storm. Y'all get ready for what I'm fixing to say. If you're ready, say amen. Do you know what kind of debt America has right now? $26 trillion. How many know that's a lot of money? $26 trillion. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that we are in trouble and things that we could not help. I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm just stating the facts. And therefore, this is paving the way whenever it'll happen. I don't know, but the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel. That's the next uh, been on God's calendar. The dead in Christ arise first. Those of us that are alive and remain to be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and then shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one of these words. Yes, there's a rapture. Yes, there's a reunion of loved ones. Yes, there's some reassurances of God's promises. Yes, and it's closer than it's ever been. That's the study of the book of Revelation. I don't want to water it down. I don't want to sugarcoat it. There's no way to sugarcoat the book of Revelation. And in a day when people just want their ears tickled instead of getting the Word of God to see the days we're living in right now and what we need to do. That's why I really feel a burden about our study together. This is not just something that's going to happen in the future. We're seeing the events unfold before our eyes. And it tells us the Bible is the Word of God, has been fulfilled in the past, and will be fulfilled in the future. There's coming an economic 
economical storm. And people are losing their jobs. I got a text message last night at 1227. 1227. I responded at 1 o'clock in the morning. A man lost his job. He got, I don't know what happened, but he lost his job. And supposedly he's coming today uh, to the church. An economic storm. We're talking about this storm cloud on the horizon. But that leads us to our fourth storm. It's this fatal storm. Notice in chapter 6 and verse number 8. Or let's back up to verse 7. Verse 7. How many of y'all brought your, bought your Bible? Let me see. I see everybody looking at their Bible. I love that. Hallelujah. I love that. This has been a great study. I want to commend you, church, family. I love you and appreciate you. Those listening too, by the way, of uh, uh, online, Facebook, grab your Bible. It's important. We, uh, we believe in uh, sharing the Word of God. And not my opinion, but that's why we take time to put these on the screen. And I believe if we ever need the Word, is now like never before. Verse 7, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. The word pale is the word chloros in the original language, which means a greenish, yellowish horse. A pale horse, chloros. And then look what happens. His name that sat on him was death. And hell, Hades, followed him. And the power was given to him over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death. Again, that word death sometimes is translated pestilence. It's the word thanatos and with the beast of the earth. Did you, did you read what, what we just read? Did you read what we just read? The fourth beast comes riding on the scene to kill with a sword a fourth part of the earth. I looked up the census as to the population as of 2020. 7.78 billion people on planet Earth. 7.78 billion people on planet Earth. One-fourth. Now, well, hold on. I know the church is going to be raptured first, but if you just took one-fourth of 7.78 billion people, you'd come to 1.9 billion people, approximately 2 billion people, one-fourth. So you're looking at a massive rate of death during this time. Now, I, I want to remind you that in Revelation chapter 9, more people are going to die one-third of the population. Again, keep in mind, the church will be snatched away. Hallelujah. But then will come this terrible time on earth, the storm clouds, the political storm, the arsenal storm, and the economical storm, and then the fatal storm will hit. Now, all of this may seem far-fetched, these numbers of people dying, until... February and March rolled around in 2020. And we see in people die left and right. Isn't that sad? Isn't it sad that people can't even be with their loved ones in the hospital when they die? Isn't it sad to see the caskets piled up and they just simply don't have room to put them all? And the morgues and the, the places of, uh, um, you know, where they bury the people, they, can't ha they hadn't been able to handle them all. And I know they're supposedly getting a handle on this. The point is this. 
One-fourth of the people are going to die during this time. It's a fatal storm. The grim reaper is going to cut down people. I want to tell you something. If you're listening today and you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you die, you need to prepare to meet God. After you die, it's over with. Jesus Christ said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that lives and believes in me shall never die. Tell me, are you ready to die? You're not ready to live until you're first ready to die. And it's appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. Hebrews 9, 27. What is your life? It's but a vapor that appeareth for a little while and vanisheth away. Yes, that's James 4 and 14. And, and I believe there's some today, maybe you hadn't been thinking about this eternal destination. But it's something you need to think about. It's the most important decision in all the world. And I want to tell you, until you've been born of the Spirit of God, you will die twice. You'll die physically, and then you'll die spiritually, eternally. In Revelation 20, verse 15, whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. It's an awful thing to go out in eternity lost without God. And that's why today is the day of salvation. You can be saved today if you put your faith and trust in the sacrificial atoning death of the Lord Jesus who came sin. He became sin for us who know sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And I'm glad that he saved me. Can I get an amen? Is there anybody else here that's saved? You know that you're forgiven. You know that your sins are washed away. You know that you don't have to worry about the life hereafter because Oh, life, according to the psalmist, he said, Boast not of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And I rode up the road this morning. I saw many people coming up and down the road, and many people that are running the streets, they're not ready to meet God. Doesn't it concern you? On the way home last night, I saw a young man. A fire truck was in the middle of the road. There was a transformer that had exploded, and they had traffic backed up. A young man was standing there. I asked him, I said, uh, uh, his name's Eric, and I'd never met him before. It was, again, 1030 at night, and traffic was blacked up in the big town of Newburn. Can I get an amen? Anyway, and, and so we began to talk, and I said, hey, I want to ask you a question. Are you saved? He said, I've been going to a, a, a church, uh, but I hadn't been in church in a long time. He told me where he and his wife were living. I want to tell you something. There are people all up and down the road right now. And y'all listen, I don't mean this critically. Y'all hear me. There's people today that are using the excuse not to come to church and serve God because all the things that have happened. I'm not talking about those who are facing health issues and underlying issues. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about there's a crowd out there. It's just another holiday on Sunday. It's just another fun time. But listen, it's going to be a rude awakening when your heart beats for the last time and you breathe your last breath for the last time. Yes, we need to prepare to meet God. Amos chapter 4 and verse 12 says, and, uh, and I've noticed those who are prepared to meet God when it comes time for their life to expire and for them to be escorted into the presence of God, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I've noticed there's a peace about them. There's a tranquility about them. Oh, yes, they don't understand all that's going to be, but there is that, uh, oh, yes, the presence of God is all over them, whereas I'll never forget visiting a man up in Mansfield, Georgia. He was not saved. He was not a Christian. He's laying in his bed. He's dying. Some family member asked me to go visit him. I'll never forget it. It's 20 years ago. And I urged him to turn and 
put his faith and trust in Jesus. He said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. He said, God was, and this is the honest truth. He said, God was dealing with me. And he told me when God was dealing with him at, at that point in his life and dealing with him at another point in his life. And then I said, I urged him. I pleaded with him for probably an hour or so as he was uh, being tossed and turned on his bed, his deathbed. And I pleaded with him, please crowd to God. I know the Spirit of God's got to draw you. But I'm telling you, thank God, the thief was saved on the cross I wish I could tell you that man cried out to God. All indication, as I left, he died right after that. All indication, he died without a relationship with God. Isn't that awful for somebody to die and to reject Jesus Christ and to not have time for God? I'm telling you, this thing right here, this uh, fatal storm is on the horizon and we who name the name of Jesus we who've been washed in the blood we who've been identified with the blood bought the blood wash we who are part of the body of Christ we've got the best news to tell we ought to go and tell we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek stop hiding your light under bushel brother stop hiding your light under a bushel my dear sister let it shine let it shine let it shine come on my dear brother and sister we need to go and tell we have got the best news in all the world that God will forgive our sins and thank God he will put them in the depths of the sea of his red blood so what about it that leads us to question number two as this forecast continues, one, what kind of storm is coming? Two, who is going to be caught in this storm? I want to draw your attention to Revelation chapter 6 and verses 9 through 11. Revelation chapter 6 and verses 9 through 11. Here's who's going to be caught in the storm. Look at verse 9. And when he'd opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar. That word altar is used seven more times in the book of Revelation. I looked under the altar of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony. The word testimony, Marcarius, witness. The testimony which they held. Who's this talking about? He's talking about those believers during the tribulation. Remember the church? The ecclesia has been snatched away, and yet there will be those who be saved. Many, a uh, great multitude, according to Revelation 7, according to Revelation 14. These are those. Notice verse 9, middle of the verse. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for what? The word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, at Hagios, and Aletheia, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Justice, justice. They're crying out to God. When, Lord? You know what this tells me? It tells me the millennium has not come. This tells me, according to Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4, these, if you read Revelation 20 verse 4, you'll find out these will be resurrected at the beginning of the 1,000-year reign of our Lord Jesus. Who? Those who've not received the mark of the beast or those who've not worshipped the beast. This is the crowd, and they're crying out for vengeance. Notice verse 10. 
And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? White robes were given unto them. And it was said unto them that they should rest. And a poo is the word rest. It's the same word used in Revelation 14, 13. Blessed are they that time the Lord from henceforth they rest from their labors and their works to follow them. Keep reading. They rest yet for a little season. Hey, look, be patient, be patient, be patient. And notice, until their fellow servants also, middle of the verse of verse 11, their fellow servants and their brethren, that they should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. God's saying there's going to be more to be martyred. There's going to be more to be persecuted. There's going to be more to be beheaded. Why? Because they don't worship the beast or the image of the beast. I'll tell you today, we're not facing as much here in America as they are in third world countries, but mark it down. I would not be surprised, and the crowd that we're seeing today undermining everything we believe is Bible-believing men and women of God, I tell you what, God's preparing this church for the more that's going to come. Mark it down. Our children and grandchildren are coming along after us, and we're in a battle. I said, we're in a battle. I said, it's a battle over the Bible. This not, again, I'm urging you, hey, look, this is serious business. Notice verse, uh, verse uh, that verse concerning those under the altar. Again, he said uh, he had opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar seven times the souls of them that were slain. Why? Why were they killed? What kind of storm? Who's going to get caught in the storm? Here, number one, those who were slain for the word of God. Those believers in the Bible. How many of y'all believe in the Bible? Brother, they can try to take away our freedoms and liberties if they want to. And they can try to take away our Bibles if they want to. But thank God they can't take Jesus out of our heart. Amen. And I'm telling you, these are days whereby we are under attack and the Bible's under attack. No wonder what's going on. Who is, who's going to be caught in this storm? Not only are we going to get caught in the precursors to the storm of storms, but hey, they were slain for the Word of God. And then secondly... The crowd that believed and had a testimony to the grace of God. How many of y'all got a testimony? Let me see your hand. If you've been born again, you've got a testimony. What you were, where you're at, who Jesus is. Yeah, they got a testimony and they're not ashamed of the Lord. They're telling people. When's the last time you and I got a chance to talk with somebody about their relationship with God? Look, they're not just talking the talk. They're walking the walk. And it cost them something. But I want to tell you, there's rewards in heaven. I said, there's rewards. Notice, notice, how long, oh God, is you going to not judge? I'll tell you, when the judgment's coming is when Christ comes back in glory and power and his feet stand upon the Mount of Olives. Revelation 19, John says, out of his mouth, go the sharp sword that he should smite the nations. He that treads upon the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. That's when the judgment's coming. The Antichrist and the beast will be thrown in the lake of fire. After millennial reign, 1,000 years, Satan, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, will be thrown in the lake of fire. The judgment's coming. Mark it down. Right now, there's some of you saying, Lord, how long? It seems like I'm trying to serve you. And why all these problems happen? Why am I going through all these troubles? I like that old song. We'll understand it better by and by. Yes, I like that old song. It says, oh, yes, farther along 
wrong. We'll know all about it. I'm telling you this. Right now, there might be persecution. Right now, there might be troubles. Right now, there might be trials. There have been from the from beginning of time. But one day, we'll trade in a cross for a crown. One day, it'll be worth it all serving the Lord. One day, when we see Jesus, he will erase all tears and all sorrows. One day, when we get to glory, I'm telling you, it will be glory for me and glory for you. If you don't believe that, then I can see why you're hopeless and feeling helpless. But wait, he said, I'll give them white robes. Oh, bless the Lord, they should rest for a little season. The season I'm talking about, this is in the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Again, seven years of tribulation and at the conclusion, the consummation of human history when Christ comes in the clouds of heaven, Matthew 24, that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but the Father only. As in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus talked about that, and he said, until their fellow, there's others going to be slain for their faith in the gospel. God, help us not to get off scot-free. God, help us not to take the easy route. God, help us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Yes, God, put the armor on us in these days to be true uh, to the word of God, true to our calling, true to uh, the Lord's uh, goodness and grace in our life. Has God been good to you? Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. He's been good to me. Then finally... Not only who'll be caught in the storm, why would Jesus send a storm to judge? This is next before last, and I'll try to wrap this up. Notice in chapter number uh, 6 and then verse 12 following. Uh, why would Jesus judge this world? Keep reading, please. Verse 12. Now hell, and when it opened the sixth seal, let me go ahead and fast forward. And uh, I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, the word great mega, Earthquake, seismos. So we get our word seismology, study of earthquakes. A great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. That is, the color of a black goat's hair, a camel's hair. And the moon became as blood. Many reference this to a solar or a lunar, lunar eclipse. I know the blood moons come out a few years ago and was real popular, but I want to also point out the fact that this is during the tribulation time, and I knew we weren't in the tribulation time, therefore the blood moons uh, was not for our time yet, but it will be after the rapture of the church. Keep reading. And the stars, verse 13, of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, and she is shaken with a mighty wind. The, the, the stars, here's the picture of a fig tree. How many of y'all got a fig tree in your yard? You know, the figs fall when they're ripe. Here's a picture of the stars. Maybe a meteorite falling from heaven. A cataclysmic catastrophe is happening and will happen. But look what else he says. He says, when the she is shaken like a mighty wind. Verse 14, and the heaven departed as a scroll. And when it is rolled up together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the men, great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. Why? Verse 16. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. Say that with me. The wrath of the Lamb. Say it again. 
the wrath of the Lamb, not the meek and lowly Jesus, the wrath. The word wrath there, by the way, is the word orge. And, and uh, it means that today is a day of salvation, but one day God's grace is going to run out. That's why it's important right now. Get serious, get sober, cry out to God. But look further in verse number 17. For the great day of his wrath is come. Underline that word, is come. And who shall be able to stand? This is not the devil. Unlike uh, those who say uh, the church will go through the tribulation and uh, will uh, be raptured in the middle of the tribulation. But here is a uh, passage to refute that. What do I mean? Notice what he said. He said, the mountains and rocks to cry on us for the wrath of the Lamb. Verse 17, the great day of his wrath is come, is come. Hey, quickly, look up here. John wrote, the day of his wrath has come. I like the word is come. It's the word aletheon, which means it's already come. It's in the aorist tense. It's in the aorist indicative, means it's a past event. It's already come, and it's going to continue to come. And so this aletheia, erkamai, it's a reference to the judgment has already begun, and it's going to continue to be poured out throughout the trumpets and the seals. It'll be a terrible time. So quickly, what are we to do? What are we to do? These storm clouds. How should we prepare for the storm? Three ways and I'm done. How should we prepare for the storm? One, be prayerful. Two, be ready. Three, be faithful. Jesus said in Luke 21, watch and pray. Are you doing that? Am I doing that? Right now, today. There's some storm clouds. Are you ready if the Lord should come back or if you should have to go to meet him today? Are you ready? Are you willing to be faithful? I love Matthew 24, verse 46. Jesus said, blessed is the servant when his Lord comes shall find so doing. How many of y'all believe that God has called us for these troubling times. It's not by mistake what's going on hadn't caught the Lord by surprise. But the question is, like when you hear a tornado or hurricanes coming, you better run for shelter. You better get for a place of safety. There's a storm brewing. We need to prepare for the storm that's brewing. Will you be faithful? I know these are times of frustration and irritation, but today, as you stand to your feet, I believe God's calling us to be faithful to the finish, to stay strong in faith, to love each other, to pray for each other, to unite under the bloodstained banner of the cross, to not only read the Bible, but heed the Bible, obey it. Maybe there's somebody listening to today that's here or maybe abroad that you're going through a storm. and You wonder if you're going to make it through. The Lord says, I'm going to be with you through the storm. You're going to make it through if you trust and put your faith in Jesus and the Bible.
Maybe you're not ready for this storm, and today you need to get prepared. Let's pray together as we give you an opportunity to do some preparation. Be prayerful. Be ready. Be faithful. God, you can count on me. You can count on me, Lord. I see the storm coming, and I want to prepare and get others as many. I don't want them to get hit by the storm unaware. Whatever the need is, you do what God tells you to do right now. Father, we come now and just bless you that you are a God of foreknowledge. You give us hindsight, insight, and foresight as to the days we're living, the times in which we're privileged to, as Esther was told by Mordecai, who knows whether I come to the kingdom such a time as this. Help us to be ready as a church. Help us to be prepared. Help us to be faithful at our post of duty. And then telling others to prepare for the storm. Thank you, Jesus. You took the storm of all storms, our sin. And died for me. Rose again. And promised to come again. But until then, you're going to be with us. Hallelujah. Through the storm. And we run now because you're our refuge and strength of every present help and trouble. Be glorified now, Father. Change lives, open doors, break the shackles of the enemy. And Lord Jesus, even so come. Amen. We're singing now. You know what you need to do? What number, Brother Gary? Uh, page 499. If nothing else, pray right now as we sing. Prepare, prepare for the storm. Open eyes. You got a storm right now. We want to see Jesus. He comes walking in on the water of the storm. To reach out and touch. Yes, I believe, Lord. And see You promised to be with me. You promised to see me through. Open Lord, I see others who aren't ready. They're going to get hit and of the storm. Oh God, I want to throw out the lifeline. Open eyes, Lord. We want to see. Are you praying right now for somebody else? Do it right now. Lift up somebody else right now. Open eyes, Lord. We 